I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. If you value our work, please consider supporting us by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you become a new sponsor or if you renew your current sponsorship by increasing your gift, the impact of your investment in the Cato Institute will be doubled thanks to one of our generous sponsors who will be matching your gift dollar for dollar. The only way to do it is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and make that donation. Cato accepts no government money. We depend on the generosity of sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, December 19th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Since President Trump removed the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal, Iran has dramatically increased its stockpile of enriched uranium and, despite the Trump policy of maximum pressure, Iran appears closer to nuclear weapons than ever. Cato's John Glazer discusses what it will mean for the U.S. to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal in a Biden administration. You know, right now... Each side seems to be kind of sussing out the other. The opening positions of each are sort of signaling that uh, each side is willing to engage in diplomacy and try to revive the Iran nuclear deal. But, you know, they're kind of waiting for the other to go first. So the Biden administration has said once Iran uh, returns to full compliance with the deal's terms, we will re-enter it, lift sanctions, and potentially start uh, diplomatic relations to negotiate follow-on agreements. Iran's opening position is closer to United States lift the sanctions, and then we'll come back into compliance, and then we can have a deal again. Um, And so it's a kind of uh, competition to see who will move first. So uh, what's Iran get out of this? Uh, it, it seems that it took uh, an incredible amount of negotiation and diplomacy in order to get this deal on the books. It appeared as if Iran was following through on it. Uh, but what is, what is Iran, other than having sanctions, some sanctions lifted, what does Iran get out of joining? Well, sanctions relief is their primary motivation. They want to be able to have an economy unencumbered by uh, American-led economic coercion, um, and uh, but they also want to kind of enter into the community of nations and stop being seen as a a kind of pariah state in in the Middle East. And part of the way to do that is to engage in negotiations to establish deals um, that will build trust between Iran and whomever else it might want to build relationships around the world. So, I mean, the the deal is important to Iran for its economic survival, for its uh, ability to compete in the region, uh, and for its long-term sort of interests in terms of engaging with the world. What has the Trump administration done to make rejoining the Iran nuclear deal more difficult, if anything? Yeah, I mean, they've ratcheted up tensions uh, as they've heaped more and more economic sanctions on Iran. Um, Iran ended up responding to this with some violence in the region, of course. Recent reports show that uh, Israel uh, worked to assassinate an Iranian nuclear scientist. Um, Of course, on the Iranian side, the hardliners 
don't want any movement on the JCPOA either because they don't trust the United States. And, you know, the, they've, they've engaged in some recent domestic things which have caught the attention of uh, the Europeans and some uh, in the incoming Biden administration, namely uh, the execution of a, of a dissident journalist. Um, this is talked about as something that might interrupt our ability to engage in negotiations with Iran. I don't see why. We know full well that Iran does not have a free country like ours. And we are perfectly able to engage in diplomacy with vicious authoritarian regimes when they're not an official adversary like Iran. So those things shouldn't have to get in the way. We can restore this. And the, the Trump administration is trying its best to uh, put obstacles in the Biden administration's way, but this has enormous executive leeway. There are no legal or procedural obstacles to re-entering the deal. The Biden administration can do it on day one. What does it look like for Iran to be a member of a community of nations? Well, most importantly, from the United States perspective, I think what's important is that we shake loose the sort of rigidified alliance structure that we have in the Middle East. We are very, very close with our Arab Gulf state allies like Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and Qatar, and uh, very, very close with Israel. And we're sort of staunchly adversarial with Iran. And I think an appropriate way to approach this region is to not be so indebted to one side, not be so much on one side's uh, back instead to take a more even-handed approach to the region. And once Iran is not viewed as a pariah with whom we cannot engage, we'll have that flexibility. And I think that'll allow us to pursue our interests in the region without the kind of obstacles that our commitment to our traditional allies tends to bring. Is there anything that Congress needs to do in order to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal? So again, as I said, there are no executive level obstacles uh, to re-entering this deal. Uh, the Biden administration will not need a, a vote from Congress, but it's still the case that I think uh, the Republican Party, at least uh, some members of it uh, on Capitol Hill, are determined to uh, avoid a re-entry to the deal and to avoid this kind of strategic shift away from our Gulf state allies in Israel and toward Iran. And so they tried to foil the Obama administration's efforts in this regard, and they very well may continue to do that uh, under the Biden administration. It's something we'll have to, to, to wait and find out and see. The Trump administration, after exiting the Iran nuclear deal on behalf of the United States, also engaged in a, a policy of what they call maximum pressure on Iran. I think it's worth going through what the practical impact of that policy was. Well, the, 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 at the forefront of the maximum pressure policy was the, the sanctions. And they really are, these economic sanctions are comprehensive. They really attack Iran's ability to grow as an economy. Uh, and in the lead up to the nuclear deal, while the Obama administration was negotiating it, we had the world behind us cooperating with us on sanctions on Iran in order to pressure them into this deal. And uh, the difference with Trump is that when he backed out of the deal and wanted to reimpose sanctions, he didn't have the world with him. Europe didn't want to play along. China didn't want to play along. Russia didn't want to play along. And those were members of the deal. And so it, the Trump administration's response was to impose secondary sanctions on our allies and partners in this uh, Iran nuclear deal, uh, 
And that has shown itself to be a kind of abuse of the American-led international order. You know, the dollar is the reserve currency. We are able to throw our weight around in this way with greater ease uh, because of that. And I think the world used this as, as a... Uh, as a kind of abuse of power. Within Iran specifically, you're talking about widespread misery that we've caused. Uh, we're talking about people having trouble putting food on the table, you know, inflation is out of control, unemployment is extremely high, people can't import the right kind of medicines for diseases like cancer and hemophilia because of the uh, ruthlessness of the sanctions. A, a large black market has formed and reformed, and that has largely favored the IRGC, the kind of militant wing of Iran's uh, military. And, uh, and so, um, you know, all the kind of forces inside Iran that we don't want to empower have in fact been empowered by this harsh approach. And what's even worse is that it hasn't helped the nuclear issue. You know, presumably the premise of this nuclear deal is to roll back Iran's nuclear program so that it doesn't come anywhere close to getting a nuclear weapon. And Iran, since we've backed out of the deal and imposed sanctions, despite Iran's compliance, they have now made calculated violations that have led them to have about 12 times the stockpile of enriched uranium that they're allowed to have under the deal. So they're closer to a bomb. And uh, the, the hardliners have kind of won out. It's the exact opposite set of objectives that one would hope the United States was after with a, with a maximum pressure program. John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.